Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Another big club controversy as Fulham go down 1-0 to Liverpool, a dubious penalty decision that went against us as we saw the week before as well, or maybe not the week before, but as we've seen multiple times this year, another big club gets a call in their favour and Fulham unfortunately lose out against Liverpool. Uh, Here to discuss the whole thing with us, we have Elton. How are we going? Hello, otherwise and sometimes known as Dad. I'm well, thanks. Yeah, it feels weird to introduce you as Dad every time. Otherwise, everyone's just going to start calling you Dad and it's you just lose your identity. But anyway, Sammy, how are yep. we going, Sam? Dad is Dad. Dad is Dad. And that's that's how I always see it. But yeah, I'm I'm good and I'm better now that we've established that Dad is Dad. Pod Dad. <laughs> we can, Pod we can dad. make that happen. Pod Dad. Um, so, guys... Mm-hmm. Uh, Another game where we sort of walk away and we can't be too disheartened by the performance itself. Uh, we played against Man City last week, uh, well, not last week, on the weekend rather, and then Liverpool a couple of days later. It looks like a really tough run of fixtures to go down in both games by a single goal. Actually just shows how far we've come, especially when you consider the lineup that we had out there last night where we saw... Uh, no Tim Ream, no Pereira, no Mitro. We obviously had the return of Willian to the side. We had the return of Wilson as well to a bit of full fitness. But we're really playing with quite a number of key players missing and still putting in good performances. Dad, is it encouraging for looking forward towards next season, I guess, when you look at the performances that the rest of the squad are starting to put in? Mm, that's actually an interesting question. Uh, it's probably not how I was thinking about it. I was thinking more in terms of how proud um, we must all be of, of these incredible performances events against really mm-hmm. big clubs, top teams. I, look, I think, um, you know, obviously given where we are at the moment where our cupboard is very bare and there's a, you know, these these – players that perhaps were considered to be largely bench players are now really being relied on and they're stepping up and it's really good to see. And in that context for next year, I think it bodes really well that, you know, the likes of Harry Wilson, who let, let's be honest, um, six weeks ago, if you weren't writing him off, you were thinking about him only as a bench player and wondering about his future. And I think that's changed, and it's a great thing that it has changed, not only for his personal career, but uh, for us, for for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, we, not that long ago, were talking about how in the summer we'd probably be looking at offloading someone like Harry Wilson. But, Sammy, have you been impressed with his performances, especially in recent weeks? He really seems to have come good again. 
Oh, Harry Wilson specifically? Yeah, massively. Yeah. I mean, I I was convinced and um, already pre-lamenting uh, the loss of him and thinking uh, I, I emotionally prepared myself to be like, oh, what could have been? Oh, I think he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, pretty poor attempt of an assist last night but aside from that aside from that um i think i think harry wilson has kind of like actually cemented himself in the starting lineup now i'm sounding sounding very gary lineker right now um uh, but yeah no i think i think yeah harry's great i love harry he's definitely found the form that won him so many plaudits when we were in the championship he really struggled after coming back from that injury, which is understandable because it was such a serious injury to have to overcome. And we saw a real lack of confidence from him in those first few weeks, maybe even months after he properly returned to, to full fitness. But we are starting to see that more confident side of him. And he does now look at home in the Premier League. And, and it really is a what could have been kind of feeling this season when, you know, I don't know, the exact number of games Mitro's missed through injury and suspension for the year. But by the end of the season, it's got to be probably close to 15 games. It's we, huge. We, it's really big. About, you know, 40% of the game, or 30, 40% of games missed for Mitro oh, this season. And considering crazy. the fact that he, he scored a fair few goals in the games he did play, then we look at the fact that we didn't have Manuel Solomon, Harry Wilson for big periods. We had Polina banned for three games across the season, although I think that's going to be a a seasonal thing. Um, we've now lost Tim Ream and Pereira for a large chunk of, well, not a large chunk, but for the rest of the season. So we're talking six games, basically, that those two are out. It's it's actually been quite a brutal season when you look back on it. Mm. And that we're sitting where we are. I, I think it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually show how hard we've had it this year. It feels like it's been a fairly easy run, but when you consider, you know, pre-World Cup, we were really nursing Mitro through an injury. He was, I don't think he was playing, uh, sorry, I don't think he was training most weeks. Mm. From what I understand, he was maybe doing one little session the day before a game just to prove that he could actually see out 90 minutes, but effectively didn't train all year to try and make sure that he played at the World Cup. We also had, obviously, that big, gap in the season where the World Cup was. It's been a, a really disrupted season for Fulham. And like you said, we, we really should feel proud for the way that we've come through this season, despite all the all the issues that we've had across the whole year to be sitting in 10th place, looking fairly comfortable. I know we're on a bit of a run at the moment where I think we've lost seven out of our last nine games, but um, we'll come to a, a tweet that I saw that puts a lot of that into, into some perspective as well. Um, Let's actually look at the game itself. So, obviously, a 1-0 loss you know, to a Salah penalty. We will talk about the incident in in a fair bit of detail because it, it is the main flashpoint in the game. But, Dad, I'll go to you first. Up until that point where, where Liverpool took the lead, how did you feel Fulham actually played in this game? I've, well... You asked me two different questions there, but uh, up until that point where Liverpool took the lead, look, we 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 were in it. We it was an achievement. What was it? The thirty ninth, thirty seventh, third. I think they scored in thirty six. Sorry, 39th. the incident occurred in like the thirty sixth minute, and the penalty was taken the thirty eighth, thirty ninth minute. Um, but make no mistake, we were under huge pressure. We were absorbing a lot of pressure and we were working really hard to stay in the game. We were doing brilliantly. I thought 
um, defensively, it was a little bit untidy. Um, I thought, um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about in terms of uh, um, Mr. Diop's involvement in that penalty, but I thought he was a bit slow to start. Um, some of his passes were a bit under hit. Um, some of them fell into quite dangerous areas when he tried to clear the ball. It didn't seem to be quite on it. And he, for me, you know, built into the game and he had a pretty good second half. Um, but but overall, given who we were playing at Anfield with a pretty rousing crowd behind the home team, I thought it was a pretty good effort to 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 go 36 minutes and keep them scoreless. So, you know, regardless of how you want to overanalyze that first, you know, quarter of the game, I, I thought we did pretty well, really pretty well. Yeah, Sammy, Dad sort of touched on it a little bit there. Um, your thoughts on how Diop and Tosin played together? Because obviously they were thrown in together uh, after Tim Ream's injury in the Man City game, but this is the first time this season apart from, I think, maybe one of the cup games, that we've seen Tosin and Diop actually partner together. Firstly, how do you feel about that partnership itself, um, potentially being our starting partnership going forward for a fair amount of time into the future? And secondly, how do you think they dealt with what is a pretty tricky Liverpool front three? Yeah, I thought they did really. I thought they did really well. I mean, we have to take into account that Diop has been playing. He played out of position last night, so there's always going to be a little bit of a. Um, uh, oh, I've lost an adjectives. Um, a growing into that role, um, but I'm no. I have every confidence going forward, um, especially into next season, that they can actually produce some really good stuff. I mean, they nullified Man City, and I feel that they truly nullified Liverpool. I mean, we can totally make the argument that Liverpool uh, didn't really make much of their chances and largely were shooting off target. But I think that came from really good pressure from our back line. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of confidence in what that partnership can produce. Um, obviously, I think that we need another centre-back to just beef that area up a little bit um, with Tim Ream, not necessarily on the decline, but um, in his twilight years. But, yeah, no, I was, I was, I was actually really happy with it. That was the least of my concerns um, uh, last night. I was more concerned with our front line. I think a, a, a big shout-out also to, to Cedric for his... Mm, yeah. Um, for his, well, I was going to say participation, for, but he's, for his effort. And, and I... Well, I think uh, you, you know there's a there's a lot to be said for the sort of synchronicity of a, a complete backline, and we, we we're focusing on um, you know Reem perhaps not being around, well, definitely not being around at some point, and and how Tosin and Deep Deep are going. But you got to also remember that those guys really know uh, Kenny Tete, and they trust yeah. him, and they rely on him hugely. And, you know, Cedric brings something else and they've, they've got to get used to playing with that guy. Um, so I think overall they did incredibly well. Well, that's definitely another thing to consider the fact that this was a back four that definitely wouldn't be used to playing alongside each other. When you make two changes, someone like Kenny Tete, who we know how good he is, 
um, and and has just been a regular started on the right for the whole season. We we just have faith that Tete is going to be starting at right back and have faith in his ability there as well. You throw Suarez in, who hasn't really made a huge impact yet, hasn't played a huge number of games. You throw him alongside Tosin, who again is coming into a bit of form at the moment, but again hasn't played for the majority of the season. It's been Reem and Diop for most of the season. Then you take Diop, who's actually had quite a stint out of the side. I think he hasn't played in the last, I don't know how many games, maybe six, seven games, um, when Tosin and Reem have been the preferred partnership. And then Robinson, who is so used to playing alongside Tim Reem, uh, you know, for the national team, for Fulham, they have such a good partnership and bond together. And now he has to get used to Diop being next to him. It's it's a big change for that back four. And, and we do have to tip our hats to them because, geez, they put in some really good performances against two of the best attacking sides in the league in Liverpool, mm. who built teams for seven, eight goals fairly regularly, even when they're not performing that well. And Man City, who have Haaland, who you know, just broke the record for the most goals in a season and he's still got six games to go or something ridiculous like that. Mm. Um, it, it is something we, we do have to acknowledge and just say, you know, Fulham actually did incredibly well to only concede a handful of goals across these couple of fixtures because it could have been a lot worse. And we've seen teams as good, if not better than Fulham, concede far more goals against these two sides. So um, it, it, it has to be considered a fairly good performance. Um Obviously, the goal, you know, it's controversial. Let's get onto it a little bit, and we'll talk about the actual incident itself and how it came about. We we see uh, the ball sort of pinging around the, the penalty area. It sort of gets cleared out. Fulham win the ball back. It drops back to Tosin on the edge of the box. He plays the ball across to Diop, who is looking up for the next pass, but dallies fractionally on the ball. It's a genuine mistake. Darwin Nunes is, is fast. He gets there quickly. He nips the ball away from Diop. Diop has a big swing to try and actually hit the ball and, and play the pass. The ball's already been tapped away from him. The two of them make contact, and the referee almost instantly blows for a penalty. Sammy, I'll just get your view first on the penalty itself. What what were your thoughts? I think it's bollocks. I think it's massively bollocks. I think you've done very, very good at um, being very open-minded and um, very um, politically sound there, my brother. But no, I thought it was bollocks. I mean, like, you can clearly see that there is zero intent from Dio. He's not even looking. He's not even looking at Darwin Nunes. Like, he, he barely even registers that he's there aside from, like, the pressure that he's giving him. Darwin Nunes basically swings into him. I think they literally, like, graze thighs, if anything, like, the top of each other's thighs. I I refuse to accept that as a penalty. I think it's a ridiculous decision. I don't usually get that up and arm about these kind of, like, things. But it does kind of fall into, like, very precious treatment of top six teams and i i think it was uh it's it's just it's just gross isn't it it's just real icky i don't like that and especially in a game like that where we played really really well and i was really proud of the guys to kind of cop that it just leaves a yucky taste in their mouth i don't like liverpool that much anyway to begin with so it was doubly annoying with that dad you say things now <laughs> well jack and i had a long conversation about this uh a long early yarn. on yep 
and so I, I, I know his view on it, and I think. Um, I, well, give well, your my, view on it rather than yeah. one from <laughs> what what we. Yeah, uh, I. Um, so f firstly, let, let's make no mistake about the fact that Issa Diop made a mistake. He, he, you know, that, that, that has to be articulated. So Tosin passes the ball to Diop. Um, some say underhit it, but actually when you watch it again, he didn't underhit it. Um, Diop allows the ball to, to roll past him because he wants to bring it onto his left foot. Mm. So, and, and and it wasn't moving fast enough for that to really be an okay thing to have done. So he's actually, and and all credit to um, Darwin, he actually pounces and he accelerates really yeah. quickly and he runs. He runs, he runs across, but kind of at Diop. And, you know, and he, he cleverly taps the ball away as Diop finally realizes the moment is there when he's actually, he realizes he's screwed it up and he tries to recover and he's got his head up and he's looking for the pass as Jack mentioned. And then he, he tries to have a swing at it, which is what he should have done about a second earlier. Um, and of course the ball's tapped out of his path. So it, it looks like, well, it is a fresh air shot and it looks like he's kind of kicking at at Nunes. Now there's no suggestion that he's kicking at Nunes and and the the accusation is that their thighs have collided. Right? Now you know and then then we go to the ref calls the penalty and it goes to VAR and VAR obviously technically that their, their remit is to decide whether it's an absolute howler and whether there in fact has been no contact or not. And there clearly has been some contact. So technically, I understand why VAR can't overturn it. That is the part that absolutely infuriates and frustrates me because yeah. ultimately I feel I feel like the ref's been the system's been played. Now I'm not calling it cheating, but the it, it, it's kind of I'm calling Nunes it cheating. Been, I call that cheating. No, no. <laughs> well, it's it, it's kind of simulation. It's clever simulation. And uh, you know, he's not dived into free air, but he's arguably in the air when he hits um, uh, Issa Diop's thigh, and he's arguably on the way down when he hits Issa Diop's mm. thigh. You can tell. You can tell. I've looked at this a few times, like quite nauseatingly, <laughs> a lot of times, right? It's it, clever cheating, I, but it's still cheating in my opinion. Well, it's it's gamesmanship to a degree, right? Of course, because yeah. he's run at he's run at a defender. He spotted the opportunity. All credit to him because it's very instinctive of him. He spotted the opportunity. He runs at the defender, and what the hell's a defender to do other than to mm. clear the ball? Now, if he touches the ball, there's still contact there, right? Because he's a Diop cannot get out of the way, and there's a connection to the Tim Reams thing. But anyway, look. I'm, I'm I'm blowing up, Gadja. <laughs> well, look, it it's it definitely it's a controversial one. At the end of the day, like I don't think there's any clear answer on on a penalty like this. Um, firstly, Diop makes a mistake there. I'm sure he's ropeable about it. It's a genuine mistake. the The striker does really well to nick the ball away. Nunes is quick. Like I said, he he gets there first. Diop is looking up and just doesn't know where the ball is, which is why he takes a wild swing at it. 
Um, unfortunately, Nunes is just a little bit smarter and, and makes contact mm. with... And I say makes contact because he does angle his body slightly to make sure he makes contact. <clears throat> One thing I will say, if that happened in the Liverpool penalty area, and Vinicius is the one who taps the ball away from Van Dyke, and Van Dyke mm -hmm. takes a wild swing, and Vinicius makes that same contact, we would be ropeable if that didn't get given as a penalty. And I think that's something to consider here as well, because, yes, it's a soft penalty, but I think if we had that happen to us, we'd say it's a penalty, it's just a soft one. And and we can't get ourselves up in arms over the fact that we gave away a penalty and and the striker himself was actually just smart about it and and won the ball back. He made a, he made what is effectively a good tackle, and then Diop, unfortunately, was in the process of trying to swing at the ball and completely miss the ball and took the player. So if that happened elsewhere on the pitch. You'd probably give it as a foul. It happens in the box, and they get a penalty for it. One thing I think, when on reflection, one thing that. I, I'm really infuriated by, and it's not about what um, Darwin did or what Issa Diop did or whatever, or but perhaps not even the ref's instinctive reaction because the ref, I think his instinct was, was there contact? Yes, it's a penalty. Let VAR tell me I'm wrong. That's basically what they're doing, right? And, and that's his job. Um, what I really am unhappy about when I think about it is this whole contact of if there's contact it's definitely a pen yeah because because I, I really hate it and, and you can call me you can you can have a go if you like but the amount of contact in the in the box on corners on just on two people going for the ball look at Bobby last week that was kind of waved away as, oh, you're both involved in it. But that's a huge amount of contact. And if if you're actually going to judge a penalty as being valid or not on the basis of contact, I think you're in a really dangerous area. It's really FA. annoying as well. It's like it's like it's like due process and like malicious intent. And it's mm -hmm. I, we're getting we're getting to a stage now with like penalties, and it's so I, I don't even I can't even be really that ass talking about it because it's just so boring. Well, you but, say like, that, like, Sammy. Yeah. But the, the meaning of it, the, you know, it's it's seventy percent on average, unless Metro's <laughs> at the spot. It's a seventy percent likelihood it's going to be a goal. So it's a huge yeah. significance. You know, it's a difference often in the outcome or the result of game. So it's massively important and you can't, yeah. you've got to get it right. Well, I'm talking more about just kind of like constantly going on about like the same thing and going on about the, um, the, the ethics of it, but like with, there needs to be um, a, like set a, a different kind of standard in, in this regard, especially with things like VAR, because if we're talking like light grazes in like the same way of like, tennis where it's like literally in by like three uh, centimeters of like a ghost's shadow or whatever like if if you can it's just manipulating the system and i'm i i, I don't like that it's 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 yeah it's like manipulating the stock market it's like yeah you can do it and yeah in theory it's smart but it's still gross 
One thing I'll say is I think that gets given as a foul anywhere on the pitch. <clears throat> I think if that happens really? in the middle of the pitch, that would get given as a foul. Diop takes a big swing at a ball and misses it, and Nunes goes down. Yes, maybe he pushed his body into Diop to go down, but it looks like a foul anywhere on the pitch and there's contact. So I, I think that's a foul. The other thing I'd say as well is I'm less annoyed about penalties that are given I'm more annoyed about the penalties that aren't given. I'm yeah, more, I, and I don't think the Deckard over Reed one last week was a penalty on on reflection. But I'm more annoyed at the the times when there's corners and players have hold of each other's shirts. And we saw the yeah. one in the United game where Mitra gets the big push in the back and nothing's given. I'm more annoyed yeah. at that than I'm against uh, than I am against about penalties like this where there is some sort of contact, it's soft, but you could easily argue that being a penalty. And I think I think in this case, I'm not happy about it, but I think it's a penalty. It's a soft penalty, a very soft penalty. But And I think it's controversial because it's Liverpool and Liverpool do get these decisions in their favour more often than other clubs do. And, and teams in the big six and, and the top, six sides or whoever you want to, to call them, but the, the ones who seem to always get the results in their favour, the, these penalty decisions do go for them more than they go against them. And that's that's what annoys me. I, I, I don't mind giving away penalties sometimes, but I do mind it when penalties aren't given because it's you don't want to give teams free goals against the big six. That's That's when it annoys me. And look, through the season... It does even out. Look, there are some games where we've had decisions go our way more often than not. We've had some possible penalties, you know, go in our favour and where we've, uh, I think there was one a couple of weeks ago and it definitely looked like Diop took, or Tosin took the man down and and we kind of got away with it. And it, it does even itself out, I think, over the season. I've seen charts before on, on VAR performance across a year and, there's a couple of clubs who who seem to benefit from VAR more than other teams do, but it does level out over the course of a year. And I, I think it's it's worth just remembering that and remembering that this is a soft one and we can be annoyed about it. But I think at the end of the day, for me, it's, it is a penalty. It's just a really average feeling to have it happen against us again. Do, do, do you also think... Is there a correlation? You know, we everyone talks about the big six buyers. The big six also happen to have the biggest six stadiums and huge followings, right? And imagine, you know, Liverpool in full voice at Anfield, and something happens uh, in 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 the Liverpool box, uh, and the crowd roar. You, are you telling me that the cortisol level? of the referee isn't somewhat increased by that and he's not actually sort of reactive more reactive because of the atmosphere we need to Maybe get ai that's... we need to get ai referees just soulless <laughs> referees that just can just do the rules that's that's what i want you know i mean they're only human and forget the unconscious the problem favoritism yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying um, I, I think it must be incredibly difficult, but they're almost getting bullied. Mm. 
But then it's above. It's you. You should be above that, you know. But and like, look, they're human beings. Gonna, they're human beings. Well, they're worse. They're referees. Um, <laughs> but I know, I know, I know. Controversial. Like, just lean into the controversy as much as you can. No, it's you just ref, it's, refs all over you during this week, Sammy. Oh, bring yeah, it on. Yeah, that's okay. Bring it on. I'll take. Yeah. I'll take every one of you. Um, uh, no, it, but like. <laughs> It's just it's just yucky, isn't it? Like any kind of any kind of scenario where you feel that um, it's being manipulated just purely based on a bias, yucky. I don't know. It's yucky feelings. But anyway, I think anyway, it, it is always really difficult when you're in. You know, they they describe these places as cauldrons. You're you're mm. in front of thousand fans in some of these stadiums who are all baying for blood and. I can't remember which one of you said it, but fans hate referees because referees, unfortunately, make multiple bad decisions across a long period of time, and and people remember it. Tell me a mm. Fulham fan who's going to get the name Chris Kavanagh over the next ten years. Be <laughs> one, and, mm. and you know, certain clubs hate certain referees because of major decisions that have been made over over the course of the last ten, fifteen years. It, a referee doesn't want to walk out of the stadium and receive abuse afterwards. So they, they are surely careful about the decisions they make. If that penalty decision doesn't get given, um, if that penalty decision doesn't get given, the referee walks out of that stadium to constant abuse, to things being thrown at them and receiving direct messages on Twitter and saying, I'm going to kill your family. Because unfortunately, that's kind of what referees have had to put up with. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it's it's right, but at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. They get paid a fair whack of money nowadays to to do their jobs. They travel all around the country and get put up in fancy hotels. They, you know, get to go to the World Cup if they're good enough and and Champions League. And they're they're professionals. Their job is to make decisions, and it's just shocking how many bad ones they make. And it gets picked out in the Premier League every single weekend referees making poor decisions and i don't want to be the podcast that is constantly hanging shit on referees but it does feel like we've definitely copped a bit of a bit of a shit rub in the last eight games since mitro everything happened with mitro even before that when we looked at some of these matches and we're committing eight fouls and picking up five yellow cards and the opposition's committing 20 fouls and picking up one it, it just feels like there's no consistency through decisions, through um, it, it's frustrating. And I don't want to continually harp on about this. And Go on, let, on let's be that podcast. Just, yeah, just give it like another 15 <laughs> more minutes. Why not? I don't, I don't, it's just, it's depressing because it's so depressing and, and you get your hopes up to get, get wins against big teams. And, you know, what a result it would have been against Liverpool to, to pick up points, and who knows what would have happened if we'd gone in at nil-nil at half-time. Um, yeah. Against City, who knows what would have happened in that game before the World Cup where De Bruyne goes down in the box like he's been shot, even though he barely got touched. We take points off Man City across, you know, we could have potentially taken two draws off Man City this season. Do you but know why I love being a fan? It's, it's... We didn't. John, I love being a fan. It's the epitome of saying, I hate this thing. I never want to speak about it. And then just constantly speak about it as much as you can. Just to, it's like the opposite of like positive therapy. It's like oh, talk it's, therapy it's what, in like a way that just burns your soul. 
it's what every cricket player says during a cricket season at least once, and, and golfer and pretty much any other social sport. I hate this game, and yet you come mm. back every single weekend, and it does feel a little bit like that when these kind of incidents happen. But mm. look, let, let's move on from it, isn't it? And yeah. um, let's let's <laughs> talk about the rest of the game. Second half, Fulham actually created a few chances, and, and I want to um, focus a little bit on uh, Carlos Vinicius, who, like I've said it a couple of weeks in a row now, has been a bit of a whipping boy for for us and for most Fulham fans this season. And again, we have to go to him with our hat in hand and say sorry because he put in a ripper performance. Dad, really your thoughts on, um, on how well Vinicius played and it, how sort of surprising it is considering some of the performances we've seen him put in. Uh, well, when you, when you look back on it, is it any surprise? He's clearly a very emotional guy. And, and emotional people can be pumped up. And he really gets pumped up for these big games. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. And it, it really seems that, you know, did, have you, uh, there was one moment where um, we were breaking out of defence. He made a pass, and I couldn't believe how fast he charged down the ground. I don't know if you remember mm. seeing that. He's pretty mm. quick. And uh, his effort was unbelievable. I mean, I, I think he's, his hold-up play was exceptional. Some of his passes... Uh, Jack happened to walk into my house as we were. I was watching, re-watching one of the um, <clears throat> little highlights packages. Deft passes, like beautiful first hit passes that he was laying off. It was off. the first time passed down the wing to set up what was probably Fulham's best chance of the game, where Willian dinks a ball over the oh, top. That's beautiful. And yeah. without mm. second thought, it, and that was the thing about it, he didn't, dilly-dally on the ball, it was instantly knowing exactly what he wanted to do and executing it to perfection. It's just such a shot. It's it's like Vinicius, plays against, Vinicius plays against any team in the bottom half and l- looks like a bit of a donkey out there sometimes. You put him up against a world-class defence and all of a sudden he turns into prime Ronaldo. Mm. Sammy. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, he's like Phil Collins because everybody rips on him. Everybody says that they're not necessarily a fan of him and everyone's got all the criticism in the world. And then he drops the Tarzan soundtrack and then you go, <laughs> I can't deny it. He's bloody good. Oh, <laughs> uh, and Even if it's you know, just it's for not, that moment. If it's just for that moment. I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, I still have this feeling. I, I know Vinicius started out life, out life as, a, as a defender, if I'm correct. And he's he's obviously now a striker and a very much old school type striker. I can't help feeling that he's actually an attacking midfielder. It's like Phil Collins. He started out as the drummer of Genesis and then he dropped in the air tonight, you know? It's like gradually he moved himself forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it, it yeah, has look, to be but, said, he, but he had a really good game. Yeah. He he's, no he I I he will go down in cult law. He has to go down in cult law now of just such a weird time for like Fulham and just such a just such a wonderful little B story in there. Like I I love him. I love him. But but did, did last night, you know, um, and and it's been a you know a couple of performances. It's not a flash in the pan. And and last night, I really started to think. Geez, maybe he is actually, maybe he is actually a, a really good backup for Mitro. If 
if Marco can somehow work some magic on him and make him believe, because it's again, it's a confidence thing. Look at look at how Harry Harry Wilson was just deftly laying the ball off uh, when when we were breaking forward a month ago. He's never doing that. He's actually knocking mm-hmm. the ball back into defence when he gets it, petrified of making a mistake. He was he was, and and I think that's a lot. Um, you know, well, we all know that confidence is about fear of failure, right? It's probably not so much a fear of your own ability, but it's about the fear of the moment of not doing the right thing and not actually pulling it off. And when you stop thinking about it and just do it instinctively, these these guys are all good good players. And if you know your team, you know how we how the system works, and you stop overthinking it and just get in the moment and do it, see what happens. Thanks, Carl. Um, <laughs> Um, Sammy, Dad made a bit of a mention there. Do you think that Vinicius could be our backup for next season? Oh, you know what? As much like for the banter, I would love it. But realistically, let okay, let's 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 take a breath here and just realistically just weigh out what that option is. I would like somebody more consistent and more established and. I, you know, like I and I could be completely wrong about this, and then he, like, uh, he could maybe even go to I don't know somewhere like West Ham, and then fully develop and become this amazing, well-rounded player. But from everything I've seen at this stage, I don't think it's fully enough for us to re like sign him. That's my personal opinion, but I, I love him. I love I love what he's bringing to the club. I I can't, I just love who he is. But if, if he played with with that level of energy and that level of confidence, oh my god! But that's every that's week. Not, that's not that's not what he does. You know? No, no. But but I but I think I, I I would back Marco Silva to get more out of this guy because yeah, are you, are, totally. you, are you challenging his skill? Um, no, I think in the I'm... air there's potentially a problem. He's not as good as he could be. I think he's got good feet. I think, I think he's he got very good vision. Feet. I think I he's think got he good vision. But like, I, I think, I think he is. I think he's so kind of like confidence driven, and he can really, really get up for it, and he can really, really surprise. But um, for me, it's that it's really that consistency, and it's like I love how he rocks up to big games. But does big game? Like we were talking about it last week. Does I don't think big games really win seasons. He's um, young. It's, it's, he's young. I know, of course. He's, well, he's actually not that young. He's not that young. He's about twenty-seven. My biggest issue that I have is he's not scoring goals. Yeah, I think he's got three goals all season from twenty appearances. Awesome goals. Pushing twenty-five appearances. Great, great, memorable goals against big teams. But mm. he's just not scoring enough for me. I think, mm. you know, if you're a backup striker, you probably need, I mean, from your main striker, you probably want uh, a goal every other game, which across a full season gets you close to 20 goals. Uh, for your backup striker, a goal every three games would probably be okay. Maybe even a goal every four games you could get away with. But that would be five, somewhere between five and 10 goals for Vinny this season. Mm. Uh, and he's he's obviously lacking. He he hasn't got the finishing that we're wanting at the moment. And look, he, last night he put in a couple of good shots on goal, but 
you know, we, we did sort of speak about it when I was around at yours earlier, Dad, and um, that first shot he took in the first half where he takes it from the edge of the box, maybe he could have done something different there and maybe a more um, established striker does do something different there and puts it in a slightly different spot rather than effectively just swinging and trying to hit the ball across Allison, which would have been had have to be a wonder goal to score from there. And then the the big chance late in the game where he gets played in by Willie and he does really well to get into a great spot. He's six yards out. Mm. He should probably score from there. When you're six mm. yards out, well, we were saying, you, you know, the keeper. We're saying Mit- Mitro's turned that in and beaten beaten the keeper, you know, low, hard and, you know, in in under uh, under Ellison's arm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we were talking about that for the, the final chance of the game, which we'll come on to now, actually. We can wrap it up and just say how unfortunate it was that we didn't have someone like a Mitro or a BDR, well, sorry, not BDR, Mitro, or maybe even Vinicius on the end of that cross from Dan James right at the death. You'd back Mitro nine times out of ten to turn that one into the back of the net. Unfortunately, BDI is, is well pressured by um, Van Dyke. And mm. again, I'd say the size difference there probably didn't work in BDR's favour. Um, Mitro probably puts that away and we possibly walk away from that game with a draw. Disappointingly, he's unable to and uh, it was a good chance. And I think Fulham have to say, you know, they actually got a fair few decent chances um, in the game and unfortunately weren't able to take any of them. Mm. Um, so look, a, a disappointing result. But I think a good performance from Fulham. A quick look at some of the stats. Fulham with 43% possession to Liverpool's 57%. Both teams only had three shots on target. Fulham had their three from nine. Liverpool had theirs from 15 shots on goal. Um, Looking back, I mean, Liverpool's three shots on target. One of them is a penalty. I can't really remember the other two. I don't think Leno was massively tested all game. Um, Liverpool with more passes, 613 to 455. That's uh, expected when the possession is, is as lopsided as that. Seven corners for Liverpool to Fulham's five. Fulham just the eight fouls, ten for Liverpool for the game. Um, so, guys, let's move on. We asked for a few questions. We've got one here from uh, Steve Reynolds, who's also following along on the live stream. G'day, Steve. Steve. Uh, a question here. Steve is at Steve Jesk 24611 on Twitter. It says, another VAR decision goes against us. When will VAR advise the ref to review it? And if any doubt, do not award. We would be seventh taking those for and against this season. And look, Dad, you and I talked about it a little bit before this podcast and and how I'm less annoyed with VAR as a concept as I am with the actual rules around VAR and how VAR is to be used. VAR in this instance is to be used for pointing out clear and obvious errors. I don't think the referee made a clear and obvious error. I do think if the ref had gone across and looked at the screen, though, and actually watched back the replay, he may have had a different thought about if this was a penalty or not. And they have looked at it and said, this is just too soft to give. Um, Sammy, your thoughts on that? are Are you still a fan of VAR, even after all of this kind of stuff happens? Yeah, actually, I'm a fan of VAR, but I'm a fan of VAR when it's actually used. I I, I almost felt like it wasn't really. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's my bias just creeping in, but I just feel like if it was reflected on 
in VAR properly and not with haste and with care and um, uh, taking into account like intent and things. I, I feel yeah. that VAR wouldn't have um, called that. Like, so I really, I, I still, I'm still very much for VAR as a concept. I think it actually. In, so here's the annoying part. In theory, it's supposed to benefit teams like us, but it doesn't. It it benefits teams that are more swayed by public view for lack of a better well, it's word. supposed to benefit every team it just doesn't yeah. ever seem to benefit us that much well we, yeah, we've had some it's... pretty horrible var calls this year when you consider the west ham handballs the man city penalty this penalty just not getting picked up by var i think we've we it feels like we've had a pretty rough rub of the green i mean for var picking up sides that doesn't bother me because you're either onside or offside. Mm. Uh, I think if VAR picks up that you're offside and you can, you're pissed off about not getting awarded a goal because you're offside. It doesn't matter. You're offside in the first place. Like can't you can't argue about that? It's in or out. It's black mm. or white. Penalty decisions are just not black and white. They they're down to the opinion of the referee. And VAR doesn't seem to be used right. I completely agree with you. It's just not utilized properly. Dad, do you, do you agree with that, or do you think? Being VAR, you're an old man. It feels like that's no. an old man's response. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't no, like no, change. I, that's a sledge. I, yeah, it really was. I'm just going to ride over the top of it. But I, I do like VAR. But I think it's. I, I'm with you. I, I just don't think. Uh, two things. I think not only is is it not being used properly. I think the rules aren't correct. I think the remit of the VAR team isn't right. I think. It, we, we also talked about this, that it seems that there's far less occurrences of the ref being asked to go and view the monitor. Mm. And maybe that that's a, a, like a policy and advisory that, uh, look, don't do that. If at all possible, don't do it. It slows the game down. We don't need that. So they don't. Um, and And... You know what? The, the the real heart of it for me is that if we're judging the, this penalty on when there was whether or not there was contact, VAR can clearly work that out, and there clearly was contact. What pisses me off is the intent, which comes back to the whole idea of simulation. And for me, if you run at a defender and he can't get his body out of the way, and you actually cause an impact regardless of whether the ball's involved or not that really annoys the life out of me because it's gamesmanship and i get it everyone does it and the best strikers do it better than bloody fulham does it and i guess that's a frustration as well because we don't do that very well I, there's not there's not a single person in fulham that does that you know oh, i reckon goes down a lot no no but but, yeah, but not does. like that not like that i mean it, and Mitro doesn't charge at players and cause an impact. Mitro's always claiming that he's been manhandled. Now, if it was physical contact, you cannot tell me that Mitro isn't on the on the receiving end of huge physical contact. He's involved as well, obviously. But that's just ridiculous. I mean, where are we where are we going to end up with this? You know, they're scragging each other to the ground, and the ref goes, "Play on! You're both in it." Um, VAR, VAR for me right now has kind of become that ex-girlfriend where you just keep on going, I don't know where I went wrong, and then you bore all your friends about it, and then they go, Sam, stop drinking and telling me your feelings. You know, that's that's what VAR is for me. 
I think you talk about your ex-girlfriends a bit too much, Sammy. I'm just I'm just trying to be relatable to the people. There's more lonely people out there than happy. Not many people I, I, have that many ex-girlfriends. I, and I see no, you. Well, <laughs> no, true. no. Well, actually, what he what he knows is that his girlfriend's never going to listen. So that's, that's true, true. That's true. Yeah, I've been I've been I've been yeah. told that. Uh, yeah, I, I just I guess it's I, I'm I guess I'm ultimately voicing a frustration with the the great difficulty in truly picking up the nuances of gamesmanship and where there's intent to simulate, which is really well hidden, and basically everyone gets done. Yeah, and look, a, a comment here from Steve Reynolds on the live stream. The VARF was also the fourth official for the home game against Liverpool, dot, 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 conspiracy Ooh. time, Sam. And look, I never want to get too deep into these conspiracies because that's what they are at the end of the day, but like we did mention, it, it does seem to be that the big six get favoured and get more of these decisions than the rest of the teams around them. And you do have to start saying conspiracy at some point, but... Um, you just don't want to be that guy, <laughs> even though you are. Yeah. We're not I'll a conspiracy podcast. I'll be that so. guy. Conspiracy. conspiracy. Sam, you can ask your friends conspiracy. at TIFO to, to do a conspiracy podcast at some point. Oh, please get um, me on. Please get me on. I, I, like, I, I, will, I will work there very happily. Conspiracy. Uh, anyway, let's have a look at some of the top tweets from last night. We got a fair few to get through, so let's crack on at Peter Rutzler, our good friend from the Athletic. Even though he's not covering Fulham, still tweeting about Fulham straight after the game. And even though we've never met him, but we we can still call him our good friend. He's our good friend. Um, he's a friend of every yeah. podcast. I didn't say he was a bad friend. I'm just saying we've never met him. So technically he's a friend. Um, think Liverpool got away with that. Not just saying soft penalty. Fulham had chances. Frustrating, period. Their ruthfulness, do you like the dramatic way I'm reading this? Their ruthfulness yeah. in the first half of the season was key to good form. And I think they're just, they've just lost that bite in recent games. Otherwise, it was a solid performance away at Anfield. Beautiful. And, and you know, ne never underestimate, never underestimate how hard it is to go to Anfield, right? Yeah, of course. I, I think we can also put down some of it, some of the poor performances recently to the the issues we've had throughout the season. Like we said, there's been a number of injuries. The first half of the season, we were fighting hard, and I'm not saying we've been on the beach, but your your attitude will obviously change as you move closer to. Uh, to safety and we haven't had as much to fight for because we're not fighting for our lives and we're not looking behind us at the teams coming up to, to overtake us. So it, it is a bit of bite that's been lost because we had a lot of fight early in the year and you lose a player for eight games, you lose your manager on the sideline. It, it, it will take a bit of bite away from you and it is a solid performance away at Anfield and, and like you said, it's a tough place to go. I'm looking forward to seeing this team build next year and having a fit Mitro for next year and having a few extra players added to the squad to actually see if we can push further and turn those good performances into actual points. Um, the next tweet, I clicked the button and it didn't work. Let's have a look. This one's from Anthony B <laughs> at Fulham Flutter on Twitter. Facts will state we've lost seven out of our last nine league games. But context is often more important. 
isn't it, Sam? Sam loves that. I, pre- I appreciate the more dramatics um, of the previous tweet. But anyway, keep going. I was you know, getting a bit of contrast. Yeah. Um, victim, victims to multiple abnormalities you rarely see happen in a short period of time. Top scorer, eight-game suspension, manager, touchline ban, referee corruption, ooh, broken referee arms corruption. and ankles. And, you know, to back, back to the point that probably links – uh, both of these tweets. I don't. I don't think we're on the beach. Marcus Silva was very, very offended by any suggestion that we are. Maybe, maybe the you know the lack of motivation because we didn't have enough to play for. But I actually, honestly, think we were truly rattled by what happened up at uh, you know Man United, and I'm not surprised. I think yeah, everyone expected us to be professional and push through, but it really rattled us. It really did. Mm. And why wouldn't yeah. it? You know, it was very dramatic. And it hung around for a couple of weeks, you know. It wasn't wasn't cut and dried and done and dusted like a red card off you go, come back in three weeks. It was dramatic. I and honestly I honestly feel oh sorry. I honestly feel that um yeah, we haven't fully recovered uh, up in, up until the Man City game. I feel that the Man City game was re- a serious turning point for us where it was mm. like, Oh no, we lost. But still so proud and there was so much to like look forward to and it's like that is the fulham that has got us this far but yeah that is there's how many games between um old trafford and city like at least six or seven right five five maybe because mitro's six five or six Uh, six, Uh, six, i I still think realistically we we're not fully recovered we we don't have our best player back yeah. Best player, but one of our best players back. So it's obviously going to take a massive toll on the team when you, and like this tweet really succinctly puts it, we've your top scorer is banned for eight games, your manager's away from the touchline for three games. Um, we've had referee decisions go against us, we've had injuries go against us, we've lost seven out of our last nine. If you, if you looked at that on paper, you'd go, geez, this is a club in absolute crisis. But we're sitting here over the last couple of what couple of episodes, and almost sitting back and laughing and feeling comfortable and feeling great about how everything's going at Fulham at the moment. And yet, around us, the world is on fire. Um, mm. So it, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a narrative a lot. of how our season's gone. It, it's it says, like you say, it says heaps. We're we're actually comfortable, and we're we're looking forward to next season because we're in a really good spot, and we're actually managing to to be fairly stable at the moment, which is a good thing. And and so I'm looking forward to to seeing us next season with maybe a bit of consistency, not losing two of our best wingers before the season even starts, not having an unfit striker for the whole year. It's it's going to be it's exciting just thinking about it and looking forward to it. Uh, moving on, another regular tweeter we have featured on our show, Tom Rogers FFC at Tom Rogers 24 on Twitter. Can't fault the performance. I don't think anyone had a bad game, to be honest. Beaten by the officials, but also by, uh, but also on another day, we get a point. Allison made two good saves from Vinicius. Bobby Decadovery probably should do better at the end too. Yeah, I think we're probably uh, in broad agreement with all of that, aren't we? I'm still on referee corruption. That's one of my favorite <laughs> phrases now. 
Yeah, I'm going to put you in contact with Ref Support UK. They are a Twitter <laughs> troll who I think you'd really enjoy uh, talking to, Sammy. Oh, bring um, it. Bring it. Next up, I've got three tweets here that I've put together. It's all about Carlos Vinicius, who for me was possibly man of the match. I think Anthony Robinson was officially given Fulham's man of the match for the game, but I think Vinny could have got it as well. Uh, we've got tweets here from Sahil at M-U-F-T-I-P-K-S. I don't know if they're muff, Mufti picks, maybe. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Carey at Carey Nicholas on Twitter and Ibs at FFC underscore IBZ on Twitter. IBS. So uh, Sahil, Sahil says, Sahil? I know he was at, I know he was absolutely diabolical against Villa. Even I was very annoyed. But Vinicius has actually been very impressive in his last two games. A uh, little Brazil flag at the end there. And from Nicholas Carey, Vinny was very good again, but fans won't praise him. I'm not so sure about that, actually. I think I think fans surely will recognise and give him props and credit. Well, he spent the last 40 um, minutes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, to be fair, I haven't seen that much... I haven't seen as much as he probably deserves on Twitter since the game. I think he deserves mm. to be shouted out as one of our standout players for the game who who really affected um, affected our performance a lot. I think Robinson is, is probably a fair call for man of the match, but Vinny was a very close second. But it, it's true, he hasn't been mentioned that much. And I think it's possibly people who've been, you know, saying get rid of him all season, feeling a little bit sheepish about coming out and going, Actually, he had a really good game. So I'm glad we've spent the time to actually acknowledge that he played really well. And this is a different Vinny from a Vinny we've seen in previous performances. Which is um, which is a lovely segue to IBS's uh, tweet, which says, I have to apologise to Vinicius. I'm starting to think our team manager, our, our team and our manager may have just unlocked the Brazilian flair. He may just be the suitable backup. Makes things very interesting in the summer. Oh. Yeah, well. it, it's definitely a conversation to have in like after the season's finished in June when we start to hear about players whose contracts aren't getting renewed. It will be interesting to see how we handle the Vinicius situation because, I mean, he's he's not looking like a terrible backup now. When he plays at this level, he definitely looks like someone who could do it, but I'm just not sure if he's consistent enough, like you said, Sammy. And one thing I will shout out as well, Ibs and um, Nico Carey had a bit of a to and fro after this as well because they both of these guys actually did back Vinny through the majority of the season, even through some of those poor performances. So um, hats off to those two for seeing something that no one else did. One thing I will say that might potentially work in his favor is like obviously he's um uh on loan from Spurs. Is he from on loan from Spurs? Is that no. correct? He played Isn't he, he no. went on loan to Spurs. Went on loan to Spurs, all right. So um so wait, have we have we fully signed him or who's he on loan from? Uh he's he, loan player. I, I, think he he, I think he bought him, didn't we? How we bought him. Yeah, we bought him. I, uh, did we? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how how good would it be if he's not our man, and let's say he, he's not, um, and he goes to a top flight championship club, um, and 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 starts? Mm. No, you know, top 
four top, championship top championship team. Yeah, uh, look, he, he's definitely someone who we. I just double checked that we signed him on a three year deal with an option for a fourth. So he's okay. He's around. I mean, even in, for the whole of next season, realistically, we see Fulham often do this, and they will. Uh, instigate that option before his final season of his contract so that he can't effectively just leave on a free. But we did mm. pick him up for free from, from Benfica. He you know, he scored goals while he was at Benfica. He had 34 appearances, 18 goals. So he can definitely do it. Um and look, I, I agree he's he is 28, so he's not young. But I think if you hold on to him and potentially keep him as a bit of a backup. Maybe he does go on loan to a championship team next year and get a bit of goal-scoring confidence because he, his loans since he's been at Benfica, he, he spent some time at Tottenham where he was, again, a backup. He spent some time at PSV. He did start a fair few games, but he was there on a two-year deal. It, it got cut short early, so I don't think they really rated him that much. Scored six goals in 24 games. Maybe he just needs a bit of backing and maybe he needs some time at a club like Fulham and maybe we send him out to, you know, a Middlesbrough like Mooney's went to. But, again, we can see sometimes that just doesn't work out. Mooney's has barely played all season. I don't think he's scored any goals all season either. Mm. So <clears throat> it is a bit of a risk. I think considering we've we picked him up fairly cheap and I don't think he's going to be on massive wages, you probably do keep him as a backup. Maybe yeah. he doesn't actually play that much, but he's still there if if you need him. And I, I think he's proved that he can sort of do it as well. I don't think he can I, I would, fully do I, it, but he can he can do do for play me, a role. For me, he's my compare... third option, and that's like I don't mean that as a diss. I see him as like a third option striker. I feel like there needs to be someone between him and Mitro. Do we do we want to talk about Icardi now? Oh well, that that got shot down very quickly. Not long afterwards, <laughs> um, and look, there's a few people as well pointing to some of Icardi's off-field incidents, yeah. uh, which I won't go yeah. too deep into. But I don't think yeah. that one's going to happen. But it's it's a player of that kind of quality that we should be looking at. Someone who's a proven goal scorer, maybe a little bit older, but who can come off the bench. I'm not saying these people as such, but blokes like Cavani who went to Man United and has scored goals in the past and, and could do a job and maybe be a little bit happier being a backup in their in their twilight years. But mm. someone who who is smart and can get into the right positions that Mitro also gets into and therefore finish goals and, and keep the same style, but happy being a backup, but a backup of real quality. So look, I, I don't know. And I think it's something we're going to discuss in the off-season a fair bit because I, I don't think we'll be selling Vinicius. I wouldn't have thought so when you're on a four-year, effectively a four-year deal. It doesn't really make sense to sell after one. I'd say we'll give him another season. And look, if it's not working out, he probably goes in the January transfer window next season. If it is working out, he, he sits as a handy little backup. And, and maybe he is a third striker to someone coming in like a Giorquez from Coventry or... You know, so Ben Brereton Diaz from Black from Burn, one of those, one of those, Burn, one of those, Burn, one of those guys who comes and joins Fulham as the proper backup striker. What I was going to say was that if you compare and contrast him to Munez, who also came in for a season and then got shipped out the other end, he, he's actually on a better trajectory. Oh, yeah. And he's actually showing some promise. He's, he's, he scored, hasn't scored many goals, but he scored some very big time goals. And he's actually been 
quite impressive in big games against big oppositions, right? So if, if he can actually pick that up and someone can believe him in on the back of that in the championship, he might actually get a, a full season playing in a winning team in a system that works for him. And who knows? Who knows? Also worth noting, Moon is is only he's only just turned twenty one. He joined Fulham at nineteen, so he's mm. he's still very raw and has a long way to go. And I, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best from him. And I hope next season we find a better loan deal for him if if we decide to send him out on loan again. Because oh, look, it's it's a real shame that that hasn't really worked out for him, especially considering the talent that I think he could potentially be. He's just not quite there yet. So it'll be interesting to see how we how we play that next season if we keep Mooney's in, in and around the squad and see if he can be a bit of a backup instead. Um, on to the next one, another one here from uh, IBS at FFC Ibs uh, about Sasalukic this time. Slowly but surely, we're seeing the Sasalukic from Turin. Thought he was really clever in the midfield against some battlers in the Liverpool side. His connection and link-up play will improve in, in time with the right-hand side, Tete and Wilson. I thought he was good last night. I thought he was good. I thought the midfield had a very tall order with Liverpool stacking four across there. I, and, 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 you know, that was pretty hard work for our guys. But I, I thought he, I thought he was, looked pretty good. He still doesn't mm. look quite uh, up to speed in the Premier League for me. Fraction off the pace, yeah. yeah. But there looks like there's some potential there. He looks a bit underconfident to me as well, you know. I think he is. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's a completely different league, completely different expectations. Italian league's much slower. Um, like it's a, it's a. I think it's. I don't know. Isn't there like that statistic where, like, in the Premier League, you only get like three seconds and in the Italian league you get like four and a half or something like that when you have the ball. Uh you're just making up shit, Sammy, but that's fine. Yeah, fair enough. Um yeah. look at, at Torino I as well, we that. have to remember he he was at that club for seven years, very well established, was playing really good level of, of football, playing in Serie A for that amount of time, 150 Serie A appearances, few European games as well in there. Like it's tough when you leave somewhere where you are it, kind of incredibly comfortable and you come like into a Kenny leaving. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it would be like, you know, e even some of the great players when they go and play in a completely different country, they really struggle. Uh, you look mm. at blokes like, uh, this is weird throwbacks, but guys like Alexi Sanchez who are superb playing in Italy and then come to, to, to England, come to England, come to England, and all of a sudden they're just not the same. Um, and, and it happens, and I think we just have to accept that it will take him a bit of time to get used to the way teams play in the Premier League. It's very different. It's the same as when teams move from the Championship to the Premier League. It takes time to adapt. And I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. I think that's the biggest thing about this is we're starting to see those little glimpses of Lukic where, you know, those highlight reels that you see all the time and, and you get really excited about a player. We're starting to see some of those little moments and seeing it with a couple of little passes he's made, just some of his movement, getting in behind a few times. I, I, I really like it, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. And hopefully we see a bit more of it before the end of the season as well, now that we have that relative safety of being able to do so. 
To be honest, um, I reckon he needs a. I think he needs a preseason, and then once he has that, I think we're going to see a serious play next season. Oh, he just needs time with the squad, as mm-hmm. any new signing does. And it's there aren't many players who come in in a January and really change a team yeah. and really make an impact. It's a really tough time to join a club. You come in mid-season. The team's been playing together for like six months because of preseason by that point and you're thrown into the deep and having played in a completely different system and said, hey, play in this system now and, and make it work. It's tough. And I think he's done a really good job. Uh, look, at another one here from at Harry Fremantle on Twitter. Anthony Robinson, back to his pre-World Cup form, incredibly impressive this evening. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He he was really, really good. And and one, one guy we haven't mentioned who I thought was absolutely outstanding and I do love watching him was his buddy down the left, William. I thought William was incredible last night. His, his turn of speed at his age is, in, is incredible and he's, he's tricky as hell. And the way when, when he, he, you know, he drops that shoulder and and runs into the box, he looks so exciting. And and just his skill in midfield, actually releasing players is hugely impressive. He's still got it. I know this is about Anthony Robinson. I've just talked for a minute and a half about William. Yeah, that's but... really spruiking how great Robinson was <laughs> by talking about William instead. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I do agree with this. He is actually back to it. I think we saw bits and pieces of that in the Man City game. And um, he looked red hot last night. He looked really up for it. And he looked really sharp. And he was gunning up and down. Gunning. You know, absolute engine. Yeah, How's I your turn he, of pace, Jack? Uh, it's not great. Not like that anyway. Um, it, it definitely... Not that long ago, we were bagging Robinson out. His positioning was off. His passing was poor. His crossing was poor. He's really turned it around in recent weeks. And I'm, maybe he listens to the podcast. I'm not sure. I have to check the stats. Um, but look, he's he's definitely improved. And as Harry says here, he's back to that form before the World Cup, where you know he would have been one of the first names on that uh, on that US squad for the World Cup. I think alongside Tim Ream as well. Those two were outstanding early season. They were really proving that they're high-quality players who are capable of playing at the very top level. And we saw such a drop-off after the World Cup, and it might be a bit of fatigue. It, it could be anything, but we are starting to see that, Robinson, and we, we start to understand why he's rated at, you know, 30, 40 million uh, as, as a really solid left-back option, and I, I like it. It's it's good seeing these players playing at their very best again. It's kind of what we've come to expect. So it's it's nice when that actually happens and you see them coming out on top. Um, now, this one is a bit controversial. I've put a handful of them together here. I might help you in reading some of these out, Dad, because uh, it's a bit all over the place. Uh, this is to do with the comments made post-match by Tom Kearney and also by Marco Silva as well. And I wouldn't be overly surprised if uh, there's potentially more action taken after these because we know the FA love to rag on Fulham and take us down. Um, I'll read out the first one here, which is a a tweet from Fulhamish at Fulhamish Pod on Twitter. Uh, Tom Kearney post-match. This is part of his interview with the BBC post-match. He, referring to the referee, said they checked it 
but he said second half to one of our players that it wasn't a penalty. Um, so Tom Kearney, in his post-match interview, effectively said that the referee came up to one of the Fulham players, not sure who, and admitted that the penalty that he gave wasn't a penalty. And potentially, no. potentially he uh, looked at the replay at halftime and maybe realised that it was a bad decision. I don't know if you've seen some of the screenshots taken that have been shared around on Twitter, the fact that um, the referee is standing a solid, like, 30 metres away from the incident when uh, Nunes actually gets fouled in the box. And there's also, I think, Lukic and Polina in the eye line between the referee and the incident, which is hmm. why it's a bit interesting as to why it didn't get checked by VAR because the referee possibly didn't have a clear line of sight. Another tweet here from at GoldieGold55. Soft as butter, but Diop was clumsy and Nunes made the most of it. Can see why the ref gave it. However, if I'm sitting in VAR and watching it in slow motion, I'm in the ref's ear. Was it a clear and obvious mistake, though? And that's kind of what we were talking about before. It, was it a clear and obvious mistake? Was there contact? Yes, there was. Was it forced? So, was it simulation? My, that's my question. Was it simulation? It's hard to say. Like, and it, it's all opinion at that point. So I don't think it's a clear and obvious mistake if it's an opinion. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. I want. I, I want. I want. I want a wearable lie detector. It's um, another one here from uh, Emma Sanders at M underscore Sandy. Fulham boss Marco Silva to BBC. That penalty, when you lose a game in football to that penalty, is embarrassing, I have to say. When you have the referee, then the VAR to help the referee, it is embarrassing. <laughs> and finally, mm. one from Ash Wolford at Ash W. Wolford on Twitter friend of the podcast and host What's of FA. TC 100% picking up a ban for revealing the ref confessed to his mistake. The FA won't like that one bit. He's probably right. <laughs> and I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there are some repercussions from that because players aren't allowed to criticise referees, I don't think, in their post-match comments. Same as... Uh, managers, so it'd be very interesting to see if he gets off scot-free from that. I'm not 100% sure he will. Uh, Dad, I'll hand over to you being a South African national to uh, read out a tweet here from Fulham South Africa at Fulham FulhamFCZA on Twitter. Point of order, I was once. It's my country of birth, uh, but I'm no longer South African. Denounces live on the podcast. Yeah, denounces live. A one, um, a one South African national. Yeah, sure. Uh, one, uh, Tottenham 2-1, two, 2, Arsenal 2-1, two, 3, Man City 2-1, Man United. Don't read out those. <laughs> that is way too confusing. Okay, how about just the scores? Yeah. <laughs> Top, uh, Spurs 2-1, Arsenal 2-1, City 2-1. United, 1-2. Uh, Spurs, 0-1 uh, or 1-0. Newcastle, 1-0. Villa, 1-0. City, 2-1. Liverpool, 1-0. Nine games against the current top six where we've lost by a single goal. Nine with his head exploding in a little emoji. 
Mark and the lads can be so proud. Too right. 100% agree. I don't think there's much more to say on that, to be honest. Uh, the fact of the matter is, as well, a number of those goals came very late in games. Look at the Man City game, the Man United game, those, those second and third ones on the list where we conceded effectively in the last minute of the game. Look at the Man City and Liverpool games towards the end there where we've had potentially dodgy refereeing decisions made against us. It's it, it has to be said, even though we haven't got results against those teams, we've put in good performances and we've not been outplayed by these sides. Um, so we, we have to take our hats off to it. You know, Villa, we beat Villa 3-0 earlier in the season and they're flying. Admittedly, they were under a very poor manager in Steven Gerrard, but they're still the the squad is there. They're able to do it, and and we're still getting wins. So I think it's a, it's a good tweak to end on there because it's just proving that even though sometimes the results don't go your way, we should still be really proud of what the team is doing and and how well they're performing. Well, the other thing is that you know in 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 all of those games we never get beyond one goal. But those teams we know are capable of ripping sides to shreds, like and, and so this is a massive, sh this is a massive shout out to Bert Leno again, and our defence, and also Polinia and Reed for shielding that defence and you know being incredible. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth saying because, like like you say, there we we're only conceding maximum of two goals against some of these teams who are just insane attacking teams uh, man city who have this ridiculous animal up front who's scoring goals for fun and they can't put more than two past us and concede both times they play against us like we, we're doing something right it's just about tweaking it a little bit more for next season to turn it into something really special and potentially finish even higher up the league which is you know kind of something crazy to think about when we're sitting in 10th in our first season back in the premier league but I genuinely feel like this team can push even further with a couple of little additions, tweaking the tactics slightly to be a little bit more solid defensively because it, it maybe can be construed as a bit of an issue, the fact that we are losing against these teams by a single goal. It means we're, we're still conceding. We need to be keeping more clean sheets because looking there, that's nine games in which we haven't kept a clean sheet. And I know against a lot of the teams in the bottom half, the other... 13 teams in the league we're conceding goals in those games as well so it, it it proves that a small tweak will actually make a big difference here and like i said this summer is going to be so so important because i think a couple of little changes a couple of additions and making sure we don't lose the core of this group and this fulham team could be something really special i think this could be the team that finishes higher than a fulham team's ever finished before gets more points than ever before we have a higher top goal scorer than ever before. It really is a positive feeling around the group, around the club, around the fans at the moment because we, we've got a base to build on from here and uh, I'm personally really excited by it. So, guys, geez, we've been talking for a long time but it doesn't feel like it because, again, we're coming away from, albeit a loss, a really good performance from Fulham and we're proving that we can do it with the big boys and... We're proving that we can cause those teams a lot of issues. So I think we should really hold our heads high and look forward to the rest of the season now. We've only got the Man United game as our only real tough game for the rest of the season. Admittedly, it's going to be tough playing against some of those teams 
floating around the, the relegation battle. But I really believe Fulham actually have the ability here to pick up a few points in the next few games. I don't know what you guys think, but when you look at the fact we're playing Leicester, Southampton and Crystal Palace across the next three games, and we'll have Mitro back for that Southampton game as well, it, it does sound, it kind of feel a little bit positive. We could potentially see nine points in the next few games. Oh, totally. Well, it, it, it would be some a huge shame to be able to turn it on against City and then turn it on against Liverpool at Anfield, completely routed in terms of our stocks, and then have a limp performance against a lower uh, table team. That would be really disappointing, and I hope it doesn't happen. Annoyingly, though, it is something we've seen in the past, where we have these really good performances against the top teams, and then it comes to comes down to it, and we play against a team in the relegation zone and and struggle. Look at the the game against West Ham, uh, some of the some of the other performances this season where we really should be getting all three points and just don't. And Wales, on by the mood. Come on, big up the boys. I, we can do it. No, we can I, do it. Come on. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, Marco gets a couple of speakers and he puts it in the change rooms and he plays this pod and it doesn't happen. Plays a bit of Phil Collins by the sounds of things. That's what Sammy yeah. wants. Oh um, yeah. No, look, these these upcoming How next three you? games before the Man United game to finish the season. I genuinely feel like. Oh, did we lose Jack just in the middle of his rousing speech? Oh, dear. Okay, oh well, dear. I, I'm not sure what he genuinely feels, but if he doesn't come back... Should um, I just sing Phil Collins in this time period? Like, is that is that how best <laughs> to end the podcast? So it's, yeah, just uh, burst into, how can I uh, just well, let you turn around? <laughs> like, there's nine <laughs> points to him. Here we go. Jack, we lost you for a long time, but why didn't you take us oh, out? Oh, he's gone. He's just completely gone. Well, that's how, that's, building. that's how, and, you, and I think that we can do an incredible job in this next run of games coming up. Uh, I, I never Elton. thought, I, I never thought he hated Phil Collins that much. Apparently he does. Elton, it's been a wonderful time having you on this podcast. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, uh, the joys of recording live. That's the one okay. good thing we're, I can say now is at least you guys don't have the 10-second lag I had you on previously. So um, mm. what I was saying there was I genuinely feel like there are nine points to be had across the next three games. Leicester, total disarray. Southampton look like they've given up. Crystal Palace, we're going to see the return of Roy Hodgson to Craven Cottage as a manager, which will be a great moment, but... They're in a bit of form, but I, I feel like they're there for the taking still as well because I reckon they're going to take their foot off the pedal because they're a couple of maybe, mm. maybe one. Oh no, they've reached forty points already, so they're they're effectively safe. Um, I I don't think they're going to be pushing quite as hard as they have been for for this season so far. So I wouldn't be that surprised if that game against Palace is also there for the taking. And look, even that game against Man United, if they've already locked down a Champions, oh, I'm League looking squad, forward to that. I'm looking if they've to already that. locked down a Champions League spot, though, they, they might play some of those young guys. We've seen it happen before. Remember that game Fergie played towards the end of the season, put out a youth team effectively, got battered 8-0 by Middlesbrough. I wouldn't be overly surprised to see something like that happen again, and I reckon Fulham will put out an absolutely full-strength team against Man United as well to 100%. try and get a bit of revenge for that game. So, 100%. I, Honestly, wouldn't be overly surprised if we took ten points from the the remaining games this season and 
potentially finished on 55, which would be a record for Fulham. I, I think, I wouldn't say it's on the cards, but I, I reckon that's what Silva will be saying to the boys and saying, guys, let's keep pushing here and see what we can do because we have the opportunity in these next four games to take maximum points and really ruffle a few feathers as well. And you're basically building a platform for next season because if you come off the back of a season like that, finish eighth maybe, you really set yourself up for success and you show also potential signings in the summer what, they, what they're missing by not being at Fulham. So, guys, I think before we have another Wi-Fi meltdown and uh, I drop off a live stream, we should probably wrap it up there. <laughs> Thank you so much for staying up so late over there, Sammy. I know it's almost midnight over in Melbourne. I tried to wrap it up before. I was going to play us out with some <laughs> Phil Collins. I, I had it all set up, and then you came back in with your spiel, which is totally fine. Yeah, I've kept the bedroom a little bit hostage, um, and it's almost 12 now, so I probably do need to get going. But thank you very much for having me. I think you should just tell Paris to listen back to the podcast, and she'll really understand why it was so she important. She will never do that. She will yeah, never fair do enough. that. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. But no, thank you, Sammy. It's it's much appreciated you joining. I think this one was worth talking about. And Dad, thank you as well for joining us tonight. You're welcome. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. So, guys, the next game against Leicester is on the bank holiday Monday now. So we'll be recording again on uh, probably over the weekend and hopefully release something around Saturday, Sunday for a preview for the Leicester game. And then we'll obviously review that game during the week as well. So... Until then, everyone, thank you for joining in and come on, you ones.